PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where board studying is now enjoyable. I'm Blake Briggs, comma MD, and I'm joined today by Dr. Iltafat Hussein, and just in case you forgot, comma MD. What's up? For each 10 to 15 minute episode, you gain some high yield board knowledge. As we like to say, come for the stems, but stay for the content. Please sign up on our website for free updates, episodes, printed handouts. These are going to be select topic handouts. They really help you kind of really dive into these topics that are common in EM. And you can go to our website and find all this stuff for free at emboardbombs.com. That's emboardbombs.com. You can also sign up for our, our Twitter right now, which is our handle is at uh, emboardbombs. All right, Dr. Hussein, you ready for the topic today? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we have a 27-year-old male. And he's coming to the ED from the field, unresponsive from an MVC. He was apparently attempting to reenact the scene from The Italian Job. Great movie. Awesome movie. Timeless movie. Timeless underrated. movie. It's a, rewatchable, for sure. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, one of those scenes, launches from a storm drain ramp, remember in the L.A. Uh, canal, right. with his amped-up Mini Cooper at about 60 miles per hour. The patient was found next to this hot pink Mini Cooper with the uh, University of North Carolina branded license plate. <laughs> that says, hashtag don't judge me. He was taken to the ED. Hey, hey, look, if you're from North Carolina and uh, you're into basketball, college basketball, we're just hating on UNC. <laughs> totally hating. Doing. We're just hating. But then they look at Wake Forest basketball team and they're D- like... Yeah, continue. continue. <laughs> All right. On arrival, patient's still moving extremities. But he's not laying still and he's actively being bagged by EMS. So the decision is made to intubate. He's given succinylcholine, but after 45 seconds or so, his mouth cannot be opened and his jaw feels clenched. What is the next step? Choice A, dantrolene. Choice B, neostigmine. Choice C, redosed succinylcholine. Or choice D, give rocuronium. Correct answer here is going to be choice D, rocuronium. Doctor saying, take it away. So this patient has trismus, uh, which is a rare but potentially dangerous side effects of giving sucks, right? What is our RSI goal? At the end of the day, we want to maximize chances of success on first attempt, especially in the ER setting. We do this in a very controlled environment, obviously, as they have, you know, in the anesthesia world. I say that sarcastically. That's not, that's not. <laughs> the temp- even the climate of the 80s controlled perfectly. <laughs> perfectly, right. Yeah. So we do not work in that setting. <laughs> we do not have that. Room setting, right? <laughs> so our, we really need to maximize chance of our first attempt success. And in RSI, you assume that the stomach has contents. Therefore, time must be minimized. You know, when you're doing the intubation, because you can have someone aspirate. We've all had someone aspirate on us uh, while we've been doing an airway, especially those trauma airways where uh, there's a nice tinge of alcohol uh, that comes up that, you know, led to said uh, traumatic injury. Um, The risks of RSI, obviously, are aspiration. They're hypotension, esophageal uh, intubation as well. Uh, which increases with the number of temps you have as well, as well do just the overall adverse events. So what are we talking about with rock, with sucks? This, this is a class of drugs called NMBAs. What the hell are NMBAs? It's a branch of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically doing neuromuscular blockade, right? Multiple randomized controlled trials and observational studies show that the use of NMBAs improves success rate for emergency endotracheal intubation and reduces the risk of complications. 
Obviously, you know, before you innovate someone, you, know, you should be assessing the airway for potential complications. Uh, predicting airway difficulty is absolutely critical, and it might necessitate you from avoiding an MBA altogether because the patient might be someone that's difficult to bag. Uh, you want to do everything you can to prevent the scalpel going down that neck. Uh, one thing to remember before we go into the two main paralytics that we're going to talk about for RSI, these are paralytics. Let me just reemphasize that. These wait, wait, are what are they? They're what are we talking paralytics. about? Oh, okay. There are other drugs that you need to give with them, which are what? Sedatives, right? So let's give some anesthesia and sedation as well for patients. That's absolutely critical. When we talk about the next two paralytics, it's going to be important to understand for the board's complications from both of them. That's why we gave you a complication from, uh, you know, succinylcholine, right? So it's going to be absolutely critical, the next two things that Blake talks about, that you understand what are some of the key complications and what are the key medications that I can give for those complications. Yeah, and you know, just to make sure as we're going into this, as much as the debate rages on about who likes succinylcholine versus rocuronine, which is obviously the two paralytics we're going to talk about today, just remember that n neither of these medications have been shown to have any difference clinical outcomes um, with regards to successful intubation. The only important difference is really are related to these adverse effects and time of onset and offset. That's really going to be what you need to know and what you need to know for the boards. There is no clear winner here. It depends on the situation. So succinylcholine, it's a depolarizing agent. It blocks acetylcholine in the skeletal muscles, and it basically, remember, it binds to those postsynaptic receptors. Depolarizes them, doesn't allow for repole. Duration? less than one minute onset, like all of these things we're giving pretty much, they're fast on. And succinylcholine, the benefit here, and one of the clear benefits is that its offset is in about five, 10 minutes, which makes it a great rapid onset and offset. The normal dose here of succinylcholine is 1.5 mg per kg. And myasthenia gravis, this is a classic board question. I actually had this exact question on Rosh Review a couple months ago. This dose should be increased to two. You should increase the dose of succinylcholine. That's based off the beautiful board pro right there. Beautiful, just beautiful. I actually thought about writing the question today based on that, <laughs> but now I was like, no, let's branch it out a little yeah. bit. Let's branch it out. So it is far better to overestimate succinylcholine than to underestimate succinylcholine, and that's because there is no harm to the average patient if more is given. It does not have a dose-dependent hyperkalemia. We're going to talk about that side effect in a minute. But just because you give more succinylcholine doesn't mean you release more potassium from cells. It's not dose-dependent. And so overestimating is okay. You're just going to get inadequate paralyzing of the patient if you underdose succinylcholine. So what are the cons of succinylcholine? So far, it sounds like a great drug. We should give it to everyone. It does. Malignant hyperthermia is something you have to take That's away not good. from this. <laughs> it's so rare, but they're going to ask you this on the boards. And recognition of it is going to be absolutely critical. Um, oftentimes, patients actually have a family history of this. But in our case, what you need to know for the boards are the following. If a patient was administered succinylcholine and they present you a case of someone developing a very high fever, rigidity, signs of rhabdo, so myoglobinuria, and a very high CK, not a CK that's a couple thousand, but a very high CK, more than 10, 20,000, you should immediately be thinking about malignant hyperthermia. And they're not gonna come out and say this patient has malignant hyperthermia. They might say, hey, what's the next best step for this patient and that option they give you might be dantrolene that is a board pro you need to know what about hyperkalemia Blake? yeah hyperkalemia is we talk about it all the time yeah. in reality it does raise potassium levels but only by like 0.5 in the average person 
And this is only a problem in those who are basically already hyperkalemic. So who are the people that are going to be hyperkalemic? And, you know, I like to, Dr. Hussain, I like to relate this to pretty much the, all the other contraindications of succinylcholine because they're all related to potassium. So really, if you want to dumb down succinylcholine's list of uh, major side effects and contraindications, malignant hyperthermia we just talked about, and then everything related to hyperkalemia. So let's talk about that. So when not to use succinylcholine? Well, rhabdomyolysis, of course, because that can raise potassium levels even more after lysis of muscle cells any stroke greater than 72 hours, or any burn greater than 72 hours. And then, of course, muscular dystrophy um, can also be a major issue with succinylcholine. And finally, ESRD patients with unknown last dialysis session. I feel like this is the most common thing we see in the ED, is these dialysis patients that come in and they're in extremis, and you see a fistula on their arm, you probably should probably should maybe shy away from not using succinylcholine, especially on a board question. They're clearly telling you, hey, if this patient has maybe missed dialysis, they could be having a hyperkalemic uh, crisis. Trismus is this extremely rare zebra side effect that can happen. Less than 0.1% of your patients getting succinylcholine, but it can prevent airway placement because you can't open up the jaw. And this is going to be basically spasm of the masseter muscle. And so what you're going to do here is you're going to give a dose of rocuronium that, what, overcomes succinylcholine's blockade, and then uh, you have a non-depolarizing agent on board. And so unexplained masseter spasm with hyperthermia can raise it suspicion for malignant hyperthermia, of course, but it's usually occurs in isolation. You give rocuronium, and that was the answer to the question today. And finally, bradycardia can sometimes happen with succinylcholine. You can always dose atropine uh, peri-intubation-wise. And the last myth here with succinylcholine, succinylcholine does not cause increased ocular pressure or increased intracranial pressure. Just know that. That used to be a myth that was on boards. We've taken that away now. I think it's kind of finally out of the mix of academic studies now and things you need to know. That's turned out to be not really true. Dr. Sane, why don't you tell us about rocuronium? We can wrap things up. Sure. Rocuronium, as you mentioned, it's a non-depolarizing agent. There's not as much stuff to mention on rock as there is suck. Sucks, they love to ask all those board pearls uh, from. It's a reverse competitive inhibitor of the acetylcholine receptor. Duration onset for rock is less than one minute, but here's the key part, it lasts for like 45 minutes. That's why we try to avoid rock, especially in those trauma patients, patients with potential head bleeds that we need to look at from a neurological standpoint, how they're doing. The antidote for it is neostigmine. That is acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, which allows acetylcholine to bind to receptors. You sure it's not neostigmine? I'm going to let you go into the next one because I can't pronounce the next one. <laughs> Sagamidex. Sagamidex, otherwise known as Lord Megatron's cousin. Oh, God. Sagamidex yeah. is a, also Pokemon too. Actually, it's more of a Pokemon. Pokemon movie coming out. Yeah. Here are good things. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Such a nerd. More nerdy than I am. Uh, I don't know about that. We're all in medicine. We're all nerds. <laughs> all right. So Scamidex binds and reverses rocuronium. It can cause rare cardiac arrhythmias and anaphylaxis. We don't really know much about it, let's be honest. Scamidex has only been on the market for a few years now. And so that's your last-ditch effort. If you intubate someone with rocuronium, they have a head bleed, and you need to do a neuro exam for neurosurgery to basically decide on surgical eval, you need to probably give them Scamidex or discuss neostigmine. Um, or get a good neurosam before you intubate, hopefully. That'll be even better. So pupillary response is definitely retained after either agent. This is a critical thing, right? If you give succinylcholine or rock, both paralytics, you can still get a pupillary response. So if that changes, if that pupillary response changes after intubation, you actually have a high risk of someone having um, any issues intracranial-wise. 
I think we're good. A couple good board bombs delivered. We talked about some of the key things for sex and choline. I mean, they're going to ask at least one or two questions from the issues that you have with sex. People know when to give sex, but it's more about what are the complications from it and how do you power through it. We talked about that. And we got to give a shout out to Candace Mitchell. She's one of our great nurses in the ED. She actually suggested this topic for us, and that's why we chose to talk about RSI and board-related things. So we really appreciate her hard work and all the nurses in the ED, and we thank for their suggestions, from <laughs> which we highly encourage. And so uh, nice of you. Being so nice to our nurses. That's good. I love I our nurses. That. Love our nurses. They love our love our team effort here. Hey. So remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at EMBoardBombs. Drop us an Apple review as well. We have a free mug kind of raffle going on right now. Uh, Dr. Stane's pretty happy about that. So we have a free mug going out. If you sign an Apple review, make it as creative as possible, and the winner will be named actually on our podcast as well. So we encourage you to do that. All right, we'll catch you next time. Peace.